So our our first evening together on this retreat. I really want to begin by appreciating your practice today. Uh, we've been we've been uh, commenting and noticing just how lovely the sense of dedication and commitment and and quietness. Have you noticed that in the hall? Unusually quiet for the first day of a retreat, and a very touching sense of uh, your commitment and um, kind of giving yourselves to this experience. So really, really appreciating that. Really appreciating that. Thank you. And that's not meant to be kind of an idealistic comment because also I know that it can be a really bumpy ride the first, uh, the first day, the first days of a retreat. And just to, <clears throat> you know, so easily what we focus on are the bumps rather than just acknowledging all the good qualities of heart and mind that are being cultivated in the middle of the bumps, in the middle of the waves, you know, the commitment, the patience, the willingness to try again, the the clarifying of a sense of intention, the sense of kindness, uh, kindness to each other, kindness to ourselves. These, These are such wholesome qualities that, just by uh, practicing in the way you have been today. Uh, we're, we're watering those seeds. We're cultivating those uh, skillful orientations of the heart. Something we can trust. Something we can trust. And one of the, <clears throat> the, the central, um, perhaps the central, orientation at the start of a retreat and actually, through all of it, but particularly at the start, is the orientation towards calming, settling, collecting, soothing, steadying, stabilizing the, the body, heart, mind. Can we recognize that? That's what we've been kind of orienting to today, you know? Uh, and this is the whole uh, kind of uh, domain of practice that is called samatha or samadhi. Samadhi is the fruit of the, the cultivation of samatha. Samatha meaning calming, steadying, collecting, soothing. Samadhi is this kind of, well, it's often translated, and, and some of you have heard me say this before, but it's often translated as concentration in the tradition. And I don't find that a very appealing word. It's not actually a very good translation of the Pali. Concentration sounds kind of tight, doesn't it? Kind of slightly furrow-browed and a bit dry, you know. Actually, to, to samadhi is, is a nourished, nourishing collectedness, a collectedness rather than a tightness. Jaya has been encouraging us to have this sense of spaciousness. Does that make sense? So rather than thinking in terms of focus, we're thinking in terms of collecting the attention, the awareness into the sense of the body, in the sense of ground, in the sense of a spacious knowing of the anchor within the the larger arena of awareness. And... So to have this sense that samadhi isn't just about um, what we focus on, it's very much about the, the ethos, the attitude, the sense of enjoyment, the sense of appreciation, the sense of soothing, the sense of resting and ease that Jaya directed us to this morning. A beautiful, beautiful and profound orientation of the heart mind, possibility for our hearts and minds, and not actually distinguish so much in mindfulness-based approaches, but really helpful to, to have that sense of, okay, this is what I'm orienting towards as I settle on this retreat. And 
going to share some reflections this evening, which are really in, intended to be in the service of our cultivation of samadhi, above all. Um, though samadhi and insight are, are inseparable, although they're kind of slightly different inflections of intention, they're inseparable. So also uh, some sense in this evening's theme, which is the theme of the elements of how they can serve our understanding and our insight. <clears throat> so this, this kind of frame of reference that we call the elements, uh, one finds it in many different cultures. The sense of earth element, water element, fire element, heat element, air element, uh, and also often added is the element of space. And this was certainly a frame of reference that the Buddha used and recommended in his teachings. You find one of the six contemplations of the body in the Satipatthana Sutta that that Jaya mentioned this morning, this ways of establishing mindfulness sutta teaching, is the, the cultivation of the perception of the elements. And uh, I always find, kind of coming to IMS, uh, something about the, the nature, the setting here, it feels quite elemental, don't you think? You know, the, particularly this time of year, you know, mid- midwinter, there's a sense of the kind of rock, the rocks, the hardness of the rock, the hardness of the ground. The sense of the water element is often abundant, either in its frozen form or in its kind of what seems to be happening this evening, which is its kind of melting and flowing form. Certainly the heat element, we experience the full range of that here, don't we? You know, in terms of the cold, but then also coming into the nice warm sense of the, the center. The air element, which is sometimes called the wind element. Well, we've had a bit of... Uh, the, the sense of how the winds can blow up in this direction towards the house and make the window vibrate. And, uh, and then the sense of space. You know, there's lots of space here, isn't there? And just to, as I kind of invoke them in that way, just to sense what it's like to, to perceive using those frames. The, the, the way it kind of connects us with nature, doesn't it? Connects us with the larger nature of which we're a part. And that it, it orients us to a, almost a kind of textural sense of experience. So the earth element, its firmness, its, its hardness, its density, the water flowing, freezing, the heat, coolness, the, the wind, the air, kind of the vibrational and the sense of space. And the Buddha often points out how these elements are both external in what we call nature and also internal. And in this Satipatthana contemplation, really the encouragement to recognize the elemental nature of our own embodied experience. Right? To recognize the earth element in this body sitting in your seat. Which Jaya alluded to this earlier, this the sense of solidity, the sense of the weight of the body, the sense of its kind of substantiality. Yeah. The the firmness that we can find in aspects of the body, the boniness of the body. And just, you know, even as you're sitting in now, just what it, what's it like to, to choose to highlight those, t- those textures of your embodied experience, the weight, density, substance of the body. <clears throat> I often like to reflect on, practice with, and, and quote um, Rilke's, the poet Rilke's statement, patiently 
trust your own heaviness. Which is a, it's a line in a poem, but it could be a meditation instruction, couldn't it? And just to feel as I trust, I, as I allow the heaviness of the limbs, for instance. And it is a kind of trust, isn't it? Because often what I am is uptight, you know, at, at either very obvious or very subtle levels and counter to gravity. And, and, you know, the first days of a retreat can be a kind of remembering, relearning how to trust our own heaviness. I learned a, a German word recently, Erdenschwerer, which means earth heavy. And can you kind of feel the earth heaviness of the body? And as we were going around with the kind of reflections on posture this afternoon, just to feel how the body appreciates the the, the kind of giving attention to that contact with ground, the contact that the sits bones have with what we're sitting on. Posture, if we try to do posture as an act of will, trying to sit up straight as an act of will, it tends to contort and create tension. If I ins- instead really listen to the sits bones, really receive those grounding sensations, and kind of let the body find its own orientation on that foundation, like in Alexander Technique, where they say, stand on your sit bones. You know, let the weight of the body rest on the sit bones. It knows how to orient in space when we give it enough ground. There's that um, line in one of the translations of the Tao Te Ching, which, which goes, gravity is the root of all grace. And, you know, we... We've been using this language of slowing down, settling down, as opposed to speeding up or being uptight. You know, there's a way in which, as we arrive in on retreat and sit and walk and slow down and do mindful movement, like we've been doing with Jaya this afternoon, that that we're coming back into gravity, aren't we? Coming back into the body's natural heaviness, like when you see an animal. Moving, they have a kind of na- they're, they're trusting their own heaviness, aren't they? They're really kind of in that earth element quality, you know. And maybe it's no, uh, well, it's probably no coincidence that the Buddha in the Sutta, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the first bit of the instruction is to go find the root of a tree to sit under or an empty hut. But he often said, you know. Go to the roots of trees. And, and so many of the important events in the Buddha's life, according to the story, happened under t- trees. You know? And how much we can learn from trees, right? In that sense of groundedness, in that sense of earth heaviness, in that sense of rooting, really giving attention to that earth element. The, it's almost like the kind of the first and safe direction in practice is a downwards one. You know, if I'm feeling very agitated, grounding helps. If I'm feeling anxious or activated, grounding helps. And that enables the, the uprightness that the tree also embodies, doesn't it? You know, it's because it's got a good grounding that it can rise up and as you sit here now, maybe you can sense how our bodies are like that as well, that the, the, the uprightness of the body that the Buddha recommends in the next phrase of his med- meditative instructions in the sutta, he speaks about once you've found your root of the tree and created a broad base like we were encouraged to this afternoon, then uprightness. Mm-hmm. We, we can sense that 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 vertical axis of the body kind of arises out of the sense of ground, 
doesn't it? It's supported by the sense of ground. Two very helpful primary orientations of embodiment that, that we can find in the sutta and we can find in our own embodied experience, just the sanity of, well, he's doing it here, of, of touching the earth, you know, really touching the earth, and how that supports our uprightness, how that supports our, how the restfulness supports the wakefulness. Yeah. And we can have that sense often when we arrive on retreat that the body is quite filled with charge, isn't it? It's quite filled with all the kind of activation that may have got us here or that may have been the, the, the quality of our daily life recently. You know? And there's something about really rooting that allows that charge to kind of absorb into the earth like with a lightning conductor. Because you know? that's, that's another quality of the earth, isn't it? It's absorbent. And as we feel this hindrance of restlessness or agitation, you know, just to sense, what's it like really to, to let that drain into the earth through the sit bones or the, the heel bones or through the weight of the limbs? Yeah. And really to practice trusting that. Really to let that uh, help to decompress our bodies and hearts which midst the 10,000 demands of everyday life just so get so filled with pressure and compression, don't they? Uh, certainly this one does. You know. And it's not about, some of you will know a lot about how dissociation works, you know, and how, what a primary and important defense it is, that, that movement back and up that disconnects in the face of what's overwhelming, you know. And this isn't about kind of forcing our bodies, forcing us to to come out of that. Because there's there's been an intelligence maybe that's led to us feeling a bit disconnected or a bit dissociated. But it's more this patient inviting, this curiosity about what happens when I allow, when I appreciate the sense of ground and really kind of drink it in, that sense of grounding. You know. and, and to trust that this body knows how it wants to unbind. The heart knows how it wants to unbind and it will do so if we give it helpful conditions. You know. and, and grounding is certainly one of them. Grounding is certainly one of them. And, and not something that we somehow have to, to get right. <laughs> Got to do it right, you know. Grounding is unearned. It's just there, isn't it? <laughs> Can you feel that? It's just there. I haven't, I haven't got to get anything together to ground. I just have to allow it. Allow this body to appreciate resting on this good earth. So... You know, this, this earth element may be, may be really supportive, not just at the beginning of the retreat, but throughout as a reference point, as a, a, you know, a, a beloved friend and refuge, support. You know. What we tend to find with these elements is when there's enough ground, the other elements often become more accessible in a certain way. And you may sense as you kind of, if you're practicing grounding in this moment, and then follow that invitation to open the awareness up to the whole body. And just invoke the perception of the water element, the liquid quality of the body. I mean, the the biologists tell us that we're mostly liquid, don't they? You know, I can't remember the percentage, but it's something like 70% water, isn't it? You know? And just to invoke that perception, oh, the liquidity that is sitting in your seat. <laughs> you 
And just notice how that changes the experience. Just to feel that liquidity. You know? It's partly the water element is also this softness that we spoke about earlier. Just to allow the body to kind of... The earth element is more the, the firmness. The water element is the soft aspect. So as you sit here now, you could just allow your body just to invite it to soften in, into its liquidity. We, we may find that parts of the body feel a bit frozen. So it's the water element that's frozen a bit. That often comes with the dissociation. And again, it's not about forcing anything, but just giving it enough ground and enough softness around the frozen bit, frozen shoulder or frozen torso. Just to get, okay, I'm going to allow softness and liquidity to kind of surround that in a soothing kind of way. In in the tradition, the, the water element is also seen as cohesive. So what, what collects, what what gathers, we might think of like uh, dough, bread dough, you know, you've got dry flour and you add some moisture and it becomes cohesive, doesn't it? The Buddha's image for it actually was soap powder. So soap powder dry, scattered, you sprinkle moisture on and, and you can kind of knead it gradually into a ball that is kind of coherent, cohesive, and saturated. And it's interesting how many of the Buddha's images, so many of the Buddha's images of samadhi are watery ones, are liquid ones, are ones where, which makes sense, doesn't it? If, if the water element is about the cohering and cohesive quality, it's what kind of brings together the experience. You know, like at the end of the body scan, I'm guessing everyone in this room has probably done a body scan. And that moment where you're invited, wherever you've ended up, whether it's up here or down there, to to open the awareness up to the whole body. Do you remember that moment? And how there can be a feeling of kind of cohesion, can't there? One's got a sense of the whole body. I've been through it as parts, and I now open up to the whole field of it. Yeah? And that is one of the qualities of samadhi, this kind of harmonization, this dissolving of the perception of separate parts into a more liquid, cohesive whole. And this is something we can play with in practice, you know, just to play with the perception of the liquidity of the body, and to feel its kind of unified quality. Where I'm no longer thinking about legs and arms and heads and you know, whatever else. I'm more feeling the, the, that kind of cohesive quality of the awareness. Do, do you sense that? Can you feel that? With all of these, it, when I say do you sense that, we could also ask... Can you imagine that? Because part of what this is about is also seeing how imagination, images like this, can invoke experience. That's how the elements practice works. So just kind of imagining the liquidity of the body and feeling it like a kind of, almost like a bubble. <laughs> you know? That can invoke something. You'll find it perception starts to shape itself around that. You know, something to play with. Not something we've got to get right, something to play with. I find Jaya's word presence can do that. If you imagine the body is soaked in presence, in friendly presence, every cell, every pore, saturated in friendly presence. How does that, how does that shape experience? The friendly is, is key, isn't it? And that, that friendliness, can we sense that the friendliness is about a kind of warmth? 
We talk about warm-hearted, don't we? Oh, fire element, or heat element. You know? that, that kindness, friendliness, tenderness, care has a warmth to it, to it, doesn't it? And it's one of the ways we can invoke the fire element, or just to have that sense of, okay, body held in friendliness. Something warms when we invoke that. The Buddha also used the fire element uh, in the sutta. He, he, he uses a word, atapi, which is often translated as ardent. And atapi has a, has a sense of heat in it. And so does the word ardor, doesn't it? Do you, know that, do you know that word, ardor? It's a kind of slightly old-fashioned word, but it's got that sense of a, of a kind of fiery commitment. I'm ardently in love, or I'm ardent about some cause. It's got a, a fiery quality to it, hasn't it? And, you know, the Buddha again and again in the sutta uses this phrase, ardent, clearly knowing, and mindful. Ardent, clearly knowing, and mindful. And he, he kind of, there's a sense in the sutta uh, that, that this is a really important quality on this path. A certain fiery commitment. A certain kind of dedication. A certain sense of really kind of passionate quality. Can we feel that? You know? And that we need a certain kind of dedication really to transform our experience in the direction of awakening or in the direction of waking up or in the direction of healing. You know, it requires a certain fuel, doesn't it, in terms of real commitment. Just to come on retreat requires commitment. Doesn't it? To do an eight-week course can require a lot of commitment, you know? and, and that actually there's 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 fire in that. There's a certain sense of okay, I, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to commit to this. It's got a certain warrior quality, you know? female and male warrior quality, you know. And the, and, the, and that we need that. And it can be important as we begin a retreat to sense, well, what? What are the perceptions? What are the reflections that support ardency? You could say, well, you know, why is this important? Why is what we're doing here this week valuable? Why is it? Why are you giving your time to this? <laughs> you know? And, and my guess is don't we sense that how our minds and hearts are is how our lives are, you know? How our lives are and how we, you know, the shape of our hearts and minds is the shape of our lives, for better or for worse. You know, this is, this is not some kind of sideshow just to, to engage with body, heart, and mind. This is really absolutely integral to our experience of being alive. It, it matters that much. <laughs> and, and it shapes our experience, and of course how our hearts and minds are shaped, you know, affects lots of other people's experience. That can be a big motivator, can't it? You know? the, the Buddha uses this phrase, all experience is preceded by mind led by mind, made by mind. We could say by heart-mind. And, and in a sense, that, I find that feeds ardor. That puts fuel on the fire of the commitment. You know, that sense, okay, this actually makes a difference. This matters. As does the, the re- traditional reflection about the preciousness of this time. You know, which is so important to remember when we come on retreat, just how precious these days are. You know, how precious these days are. They're, they're few in number, and it may have been hard to create space for this. You know, 
And none of us knows when we'll have the opportunity to do this again. We don't know for sure, do we? You know? This is a precious time. And not to use that, that not as a tightening up. Oh, I've got to tighten up and strive, you know. But more like, can it fuel my sense of commitment to this? Can it fuel the sense of, okay, I'm going to commit to the schedule. You know, there are times when I, I want to go and sit, there are times I don't, but I do it anyway. You know, times when I want to be on my walking path, times when I prefer to be having a cup of tea, but I walk anyway. Not as a should, not as a super ego kind of beating myself, but more just a sense of, okay, I'm really going to give this my best shot. <laughs> you know? I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt. Even if there's doubt around, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt for this walking period, this sitting period. You know? we, we quite rightly have picked up the warmth of the compassionate heart of the Dharma in the West. And sometimes I wonder if we picked up enough of the ardor and that kind of spiritual warrior quality that uh, is also, if we go to the Asian traditions, if we go to the monasteries of Asia or the practice centers of Asia, there's lots of ardor, lots of ardor, you know. And it's present in, we were, I think Yuka and I were reflecting at lunchtime today about, you know, John Kabat-Zinn. He's got a lot of ardor, hasn't he, you know. Uh, and it's present, you know, in, in our tradition. Sometimes we need to turn the volume up on it. You know, or just know how to fuel it. Know how to give it that sense of, okay, I'm going to reflect in a way that really brightens my commitment to this. You know. The Buddha is really clear, he says in the Sutta, you know, this is the way to the overcoming of distress. This is the way to the realization of the complete unbinding of the heart, the complete freeing of the heart that he calls nibbana. The, so much more is possible for us in this practice than we tend to assume. So much more is possible for each of us in this practice than we tend to assume. What little old me? Yes. So the fire of, of kindness and friendliness, the fire of ardor. The Buddha also, of course, talks about the fires of greed, hatred, and delusion. The three fires. We could kind of colloquialize those as wanting, not wanting, and confusion. We know those fires. You know? When the Buddha says everything is burning, in that famous fire, Sutta, he's, he's talking about burning with the fires of wanting, not wanting, and confusion. Sometimes confusion can feel a bit, a bit more like a freeze, a bit more like a dissociation. But we also know the, the fiery quality of wanting and not wanting, don't we? You know? And the Buddha plays with the, the metaphor of fire a lot in his teaching. It's one of his central images. The word nibbana means the complete cooling. And the cooling of these fires, the extinguishing of these fires, the, the kind of unbinding of these fires, as he puts it. And invites us to get really interested in what puts fuel on the fires of greed, hatred, and delusion? And how can we practice not feeding them? Yeah. Can we sense that that's an issue every time we sit, can't we? Because the thought comes up, oh, yeah, I could think about that, you know, and think about that, and I can feel that could just be putting fuel on the fire of getting irritated or agitated or, you know, longing or regret or self-judgment, and we can just keep putting fuel on that fire. It can become a conflagration, can't it? Quite easily. You know? How not to fuel the fires is a key uh, thing to play with in practice, isn't it? And the Buddha, as part of his playing with the imagery of fire, plays with this word upadana, which, which 
literally means fuel, but it also is the word he uses for clinging and grasping. And can we sense how it is that clinging and grasping that fuels the fire, makes it more hot? (laughs) If I'm irritated about something, I cling to what I'm irritated about, and that it burns more brightly, you know? Or if there's self-judgment, I cling to those self-views. You know, I get fixated, would be another translation of upadana, a fixation. Yeah. So easy to, to just keep fueling fires, isn't it? You know? And really an invitation to each of us, each of us, to, to play on this retreat with what, how can I, when a fire comes up, one of those kinds of fires, how can I practice not feeding it? Where can I take the attention that doesn't feed it? Often it, it is the ground, actually, you know, to notice that your feet are not judging you. You know, your sit bones are not ruminating about that meeting at work last week. You know, your hands are not bored. You know, the touch of your lips is not doubting whether you should be here or not. You know, and just to know, okay, where can I take the attention that's not fiery? Because this bit may be all quite fiery at times. Yeah, but the ground, the hands on the legs, that's a very helpfully kind of steadying place often. So to find how not to put fuel on these fires. That gesture in practice that says, I could, but I don't need to. I could, but I don't need to. Yeah. Could think about that yet again, but I don't need to. I'm going to go somewhere else instead that's more supportive, more grounding. We can sense how these elements, as one moves through them, they, they become more, they're more subtle. There's, there's the earth element, which is quite kind of palpable and dense. The water element, a bit more liquid, you know, fluid, kind of flowing down our walking path. It's got a kind of subtlety to it. The fieriness, we can feel it's a bit more kind of subtle in its kind of energetic quality. The air element is more subtle still, isn't it? The air element is any kind of motion, any kind of movement. Most obviously the breath, of course. But wherever we look, actually, in the body, can we sense that there is this vibrational quality, this tingling, this fizziness, yeah? This energetic sense. You you helpfully gave us this, this sense of kind of the body of energy, And what is it to play with that way of experiencing the body as a field of energy and sensation? Can you sense that? How different that is? If I just perceive, okay, what happens if I forget, if I let go of the word body and just sense the field of energy and sensation, fizzy, tingling, vibrational quality? It kind of links with in the, the ancient traditions about prana and chi and not having to get worried. Oh, well, is there such a thing? Is there such a thing as the, ent- as the uh, is there such an en- entity as the energy body? What, if we're, what we're talking about are just ways of looking, ways of perceiving, just ways of opening to the perception of this body as an energetic field. Physics would, would say, give us the thumbs up for that, wouldn't it? And just to sense what that's like. To sense what that's like. To, to sense the body energetically. Part of the air element, I often think, is the kind of quality of inspiration. Inspiration. You know, there's a literal quality to that. The breathing in, the energizing. As well as the, you know, the attitude. Okay, what helps inspire? this moment. What can I I reflect on? It might be that it's something about just being here in this beautiful, lovely place. 
really orienting to the sense of beauty that can uplift us, the beautiful statues or flowers, the way everything is taken care of, the sense of kindness that's here, the sense of possibility that's here, the sense even of soulfulness of all the other people who've practiced here and taught here and just how much goodness has flowed from this, this, this place in the edge of Barry, Massachusetts. You know, Just there's something inspiring about that. The kind of ripples have gone worldwide from here, from this hall where we're sitting now. You know? Just to let that uplift, let that inspire, let that bring a kind of vitality. Really integral part of the art of retreat to, to take care of the sense of inspiration, enjoyment, nourishment, uplift, to drink it in. Yeah. Could be our main practice for this week, and that would be time very well spent. Very well spent. <clears throat> and, and we can sense how this element of, of air or the wind element energetic quality opens into is contained within the element of space the Buddha doesn't mention the element of space in the sutta this, the Satipatthana sutta but he refers to it in other places and we can sense again on retreat isn't that part of what's so supportive is the sense of space <laughs> nobody demanding anything of We can put down our responsibilities, our to-do lists, our should-have-done lists, all the other things that cramp the sense of space. And there's an integral relationship between the elements of ground and space. You may just have that sense, and again, we were invited earlier today to play with that, the sense of grounding and then opening to the sense of space from that sense of ground. In Zen, they say, solid as the mountain, earth element, open as the ocean. And that openness is supported by the sense of ground. Can we sense that? You know, we'd probably know spacey, yeah? Or kind of a bit dissociated where there isn't enough ground, you know? Or that sense that the heart just feels a bit closed and tight with not much space. How do I open this heart? it may be just giving it enough ground. So it's not something to be done up here, it's something to be down, done down here, if you like. Really being more with the ground, the heaviness, the weight, the solidity of the body opens the sense of space. And there is that sense, okay, well, what, what, with what do I infuse the space? With what was, is this sense of space infused? We're invited this morning just to infuse the sense of space with a sense of knowing or awareness. Can you feel that? That possibility that the sense of space is just pervaded with a sense of of knowing, of, of, of mindfulness, of presence. We we can pervade the space with a sense of kindness, (laughs) friendliness. Notice how that kind of shapes, tones the quality of our experience with a sense of appreciation, a sense of opening to that sense of enjoying, uplifted by. Something to play with, something to play with, all of these to to play with. All of them, we could say that they're all on a kind of spectrum of an energetic spectrum. Ajahn Suchito uses the image of, of, a, of a wet white sheet and you place some drops of ink in the middle of it and it just expands, expands into space. And maybe as you sit here now, you can have that sense of this body as kind of, the, well, there's the density and then there's the gradual lightening and opening into a sense of space. No 
edges. Just a kind of grounded openness. Something to play with. Notice how it changes the quality of the room when people play in that particular way. And deliberately using this word play, such a helpful attitude to bring in our practice. Because we can take this so seriously, you know. And yes, it is serious, but we can take it seriously in a way that collapses space, can't we? You know. It's, it's, I, find this, I, I find it very easy to be very earnest about things. You can probably tell that already. And, and it can kind of feel like a certain kind of collapse, you know, earnest concentration, you know. And what is it to really practice that sense of grounding and opening as a play, as a sense, I don't have to get it right. <laughs> don't have to get it right. Because you don't in play, do you? Play isn't about getting it right. It's about enjoying, you know. And that kind of lightness, that sense of, okay, I'm going to try this out for a bit. I'm going to try the perception of earth element out for a bit. See what happens when I do that. Try the perception of of the liquidity for a bit. Or the invoking of the sense of ardency or the sense of warmth and friendliness. Or the fizziness of, of the air element to play with these. That attitude, it, it, it just doesn't activate the inner critic, the inner critical thinking so much. Can you sense that? And we can sense also how samadhi, this collectedness, is supported by this play. You know, a question like, well, which, right now as I sit here, what's needed is it more ground? Is it more earth element? Is it the weight of the body that actually helps to support that collectedness, that presence, that stability? Is it actually, if I got, is the ground become a bit heavy? Is it or become a bit unbalanced? Because you know, if if it's very, if it's all ground, that's the sinking quality that Yuka spoke about, isn't it? You know, which might have a kind of depressed quality, in which case what's needed then might be the sense of inspiration, mightn't it? The sense of uplift, the sense of air element, you know, or the, the fiery vitality of, of remembering why I'm here and why this matters. sense of opening to space if it's got a bit collapsed. So do you sense how these, these elements can become a way of supporting our collecting and our collectedness? Just by asking that question, okay, what's needed to, to support this sense of presence, kind of stable, wakeful, restful presence? And it'll, be, it'll change moment by moment. It's, it's a way of, of responding playfully to the hindrances. You know, sloth and torpor, lots of earth element. What does it need? Needs a bit of vitality. Needs a bit of movement. May need some walking. May need some valuing of the in-breath, the inspiration. You know? Oh, a bit dissociated, a bit spacey. Oh, let's find the ground. Let's touch the earth. Let's feel the, the Erdenschwere, the, the earth heaviness of this body. So just to use these to help kind of tune the instrument. The Buddha uses this image of tuning the instrument to support a sense of nourished, resourced collectedness. And we can sense here, just a, a couple of final reflections to close with. These elements... As the, the Buddha says to his son in one of the suttas, he really encourages the recognition of the internal elements not separate from the external. So the earth element 
that I experience internally is continuous with the earth element in all that surrounds us, isn't it? Isn't the water element that happens to be in this body at the moment is continuous with wateriness that surrounds? The heat of this body isn't separate from the temperature of all that surrounds. The air we're breathing is not, we don't own it. This sense that actually we don't own any of these elements. The Buddha encouraged his son to to see each of the elements as not me, not mine, just elements. We could say to give the elements back to nature. To sense the ecological nature of this experience that we call body. And this experience that we call heart-mind. Not separate. Not ours. But elemental. You know? Ajahn Buddha Dasa used to say, thinking that we own the elements of this body is misappropriation of public property. He said, you know? And what a relief, he used to say, what a relief to just give this body, give its elements back to nature. Not, for it doesn't have to be moi, you know, as Miss Piggy would put it, you know. It just can be earth, water, heat, fire, air, space. (laughs) And there's something here about also uh, honoring the elements. We live in a time, as we kind of touched on last night, where we so need to honor the elements of this earth, don't we? We so need to honor the earth element, the water element, how we relate to the fire element, the air element, the space element. And there's something about this practice with the elements that is so beautifully internal and external and is so much a practice of honoring, so much a practice of caring for, Caring for the elements as we experience them internally and externally. Respecting them. Cultivating the perceptions of them so that we recognize them internally and externally. And can we see that Something really interesting is involved in the shifts of perception between the elements. That I invoke the perception earth and certain qualities of the body or certain qualities of embodiment show themselves. Heaviness, weight, density. I invoke the perception liquidity and oh, it feels different. Heat, temperature, I can feel the body, the body's heat, it's fire equality. Experience the body as a field of energy and vibration. Experience the body as space. You know, the physicists also say the body is mostly space, don't they? Matter is mostly space. Did you sense, as we went through them, that this experience that we call body shows up differently dependent on which perception that we're employing at the time? And this is actually profoundly significant because it points to the way in which experience depends upon the way of looking and the perceptions that are, we're engaging in any moment. There's no one experience that is body, is there? There's no one right body. It's not that the anatomical body is somehow more correct than the energetic body or the sense of the body's heaviness. You know, like the sexual body is no more kind of on a hierarchy more important than the, the pain body. 
or the vitalized body, what we start to see is that that perception, this experience that we call body, shows, is created, depends upon the way of looking and the, the concepts and the assumptions that are implicit in that. And that this is actually uh, what the Buddha means by the word empty, or part of what the Buddha means by the word empty, where he says, experience is empty of an independent, solid existence. It shows up, as he puts it, like a mirage. Could you sense, as we went through the elements, there was a kind of, the mirage was changing, wasn't it? You know? and, and even if we just get the hint of this, you know, if we just get the hint of this, it's pointing to something really profound, something really radical and beautiful about the depth of what this practice opens up. That that sense that uh, all experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. That what's true of this body is true of everything. It is fabricated. It is dependently arisen. It doesn't have the solidity, the ultimate solidity that we project onto it. And in a certain way, um, this points to the wonder of this existence. The way in which we participate in the creation and experience, the creation of experience moment by moment, by what ways of looking what attitudes, what intentions we're practicing. Do you sense that? It's part of what reflections on this day that we've experienced may highlight. So just to, in a sense, end where I began, just to appreciate all the good intentions you're bringing to this, all the skillful perceptions and commitments and to trust that the more we practice them, the more our experience will be shaped and will unfold in accordance with what we're practicing and cultivating. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Made by mind. And I hope uh, these reflections on these elements as things to play with uh, can be in support of your exploration of that. Shall we just uh, pause for a few moments? Hey, thank you for your kind attention. So, uh, we have the chance now to take these uh, elemental constellations for a walk. Um, And uh, we've got some walking time till uh, 8.45, the final sitting of the day, which will be quite a short sitting. So, an encouragement to come if the elements of the body allow. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.